Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. You're checking out the program. We're not going to apologize for winning. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left. What's up, Big Neil? Not a good day, Lance. Usually it's a good day. <laughs> you mean Today, not, not a good day. Just a couple days after the, the Steelers played what I honestly thought was one of the weirdest bad games they've had because you couldn't tell which team was worse because Cleveland <laughs> played terribly as well. They were both epically bad. Um, just a, a, a junk game all around, junk game from both quarterbacks. Um, fortunately for Pittsburgh, they got the win, and I think they had the better quarterback, <laughs> which is crazy uh, considering the, the salary difference between the two. But what you're looking at is a, a, a dismal start to the season, a very negative reaction. But we're not going to apologize for winning. Right, Lance? A lot we of other things not. they need to apologize for, but winning isn't going to be one of them. And I, I guess that, that counts for something. Yeah, it does because, uh, as we all well know, it's hard to win in this league. And one and one is one and one. You win and correct. And that's sort of what Tomlin said. Uh, in his press conference, that it's much easier to uh, try to correct these things with a win in your back pocket. But with that, as always, if you want to participate in the program, go to YouTube and do a search for The New Standard and do a search for Lance Williams and The New Standard or Neil Kulong and The New Standard. We always bring you a show, 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Wednesdays, and we go about 45 minutes to an hour after the game. On Sunday, we do the post game. As always, you can catch the program as well via podcast. However, you get your podcast through the same search, the new standard. And also make sure you like and subscribe to the program and please spread the word because the show is growing. It's growing like uh, I was going to try to do a rhyme, but I, you know, my mind is a little fuzzy because it's a little early. I couldn't freestyle something nice, but. Before we jump into the first topic on the program, what's wrong with this offense? I want to jump into a couple of quotes and some statistics that are floating around um, on the Internet. And here's the first statistic. The 26 points scored by the Steelers without a red zone drive, <laughs> without a red zone drive were the team's most in the past 45 years and the most since the Chiefs had 27 versus the New Orleans Saints in 2006. Let me give you another couple of stats. And this is a PFF stats in regards to the offensive linemen for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dan Moore's grade, 21.8. Isaac Ciamalu, 50.6. Mason Cole, 47.4, James Daniels, 45.2, and Chooks Okorafor, 37.6, and Dan Moore had a passing blo pass blocking grade of 3.5. Last stat I want to jump into. The Steelers entered the fourth quarter on Sunday's game, or Monday night's game, trailing by three points. They generated just minus seven yards of offense in the final 15 minutes and won the game by four points. Now, you might ask yourself, 
what did Mike Tomlin have to say about this? And this quote, I think, speaks volumes about what's going on and why this is a huge issue and why some guys' seats are absolutely hotter than an inferno. We're not going to have a knee-jerk reaction, but we do acknowledge we've had two of these outings. We're not assigning blame for anyone, but it starts with coaching. We've got to start faster and play more coordinated. We have to anticipate schematics. It's all out there, Neil. I'm going to give you the hardest question in the world as of today in football. What's wrong with this offense? What's Tomlin saying in that quote? I think it's very telling. What Tomlin's saying in that quote, very simply, is what I said after last week's game, and certainly it's true after this one as well. The coordination of this team's offense is horrendous. It, it's shockingly bad, and it, it's not just rust. It's not just new guys coming in, trying to figure things out. I, I could understand that last year when this exact same thing happened. They should only be better this season. So you're, you're going down two paths here. One, your coordinator is not getting the job done. I, I, don't, I think that's the understatement of the year. I'm not sure anybody uh, really favors the, the direction of the offense right now. But this is deeper than the absolutely ridiculous third and one call. The quarterback sneaked to Kenny Pickett, who's not the athlete to, to run that kind of a play. Neither is Deshaun Watson, I might add, but Cleveland ran it twice. So I, I'm not sure what the Browns were doing either. The, the bottom line is it, it's more than just play calling what they are doing, how they are executing what they're doing, and what looks like general confusion and, and a, a, a dullness, a slowness to everything that they do, it, it, that's on the coordinator, okay? We say coordinator, that doesn't equate to play caller. They do a lot more than that. Their job is a lot more important than just calling the plays. They have to draw up the plays. They have to coach the plays. They have to get everybody on the same page. You have assistant coaches that handle – you know, the, the nuts and bolts of that, but the overall strategy and the overall execution is on the coordinator. And the reality is the better part of two seasons and two games, they don't look like they know what they're doing. And we can say by and large, when you look at their opponent, they usually kind of do look like they know what they're doing. And Cleveland is an exception to that. They didn't either. And that's why the game was, was competitive. You know, I honestly, we could get into this another time, but if you flip, TJ Watts performance with miles Garrett's performance, the Browns win by 20 points. I mean, it was, it was an awful offensive game plan. It was an awful uh, execution of that game plan. I think that's what Tomlin is saying. I think that if there was more heat to turn up under Matt Canada and the offensive coaching staff, it's not just one person, you know, Tomlin's not there to assign blame. They know what happened. They also know who's responsible for what. How they fix this now is what is ultimately important to Tomlin, and that's what they're saying with this. We have a lot of work to do, and once again, we are behind the eight ball early in the season. Last year, it cost us the playoffs. We hoped to get off to a better start this year. It's not happening. We need to fix this, and we need to fix it now. You know, to what you're saying, Neil, you know, I always look at it in terms of choreography. I always try to look at football and try to find – uh, some sort of analogy or comparison that I understand pretty well. And this is choreography. This is advanced choreography. And 
the choreographer is in charge of what it looks like when you see it. And the players and or the dancers have to perform and execute the choreography. And what you're seeing is, to Neil's point, is it is poorly coordinated. And I don't care what, to Neil's point, what you draw up, if it's not coordinated well, it's not going to be performed well. And preparation and coordination is at the start of it because going back to the, the choreography analogy. Now, if you, if, if the coordinator is having problems teaching what he's trying to get across that's needed to execute a play, what's going to happen is you're going to look slow. The physicality is not going to be there because you're going to be thinking ding, about ding, what you're ding. doing. Uh, and you're not going to add whatever special effects or nuances that you bring particularly to the choreography because you have the choreography, you have the play, and the players bring it alive and make it alive and add that extra genesee quad to it, so to speak. So if they're not prepared, they can't play physically, they won't be comfortable, it'll look slow, It'll look disjointed and it'll look like two offensive touchdowns in two weeks. And it'll look like your defense has scored as many touchdowns as your offense in two weeks. And this is in the NFL that gives away completions like Skittles on Halloween. It, it is just, it, it, it is just very bad right now. And, yeah, the, the, the play call is the end result. It's everything in the equation equals the play call. But if everything on the left side of the equation is not working out, it is not good, it, they can't execute. It, and you see it at all levels of the offense, which is concerning. The quarterback looks confused. The offensive line is getting dominated. Uh, guys aren't really getting open. It's, it's everywhere. It's, it's, yeah, it's the, very They're slow. not getting off the ball the way that their opponent is. And you don't see that on defense. On defense, the whole other slew of problems, but yes. they're far more aggressive. They look far more confident. They're attacking. The offense is just kind of sitting there. That That's on your coach. That's on your coordination. You are not getting everybody buying into the game plan, well aware of the game plan, having any sense of what they're doing within the game plan. And it looks like it's snap to snap. You know, it, it's just it, what... Their approach versus their opponent never seems to match up, and it's honestly it, it feels like the players are aware of it. They're not going to tell you that, but you watch them. The fact that they are a half step behind everybody constantly looks to me more like they're not understanding what they're seeing, and that's absolutely a coaching issue. And to be honest with you, if, if Tomlin is going as far as to say what he said, it seems like it's a terminal issue. And you may as well get rid of them earlier, you know, rather than later. But I, I don't have any faith that they will actually do that. Um, if they did, you're not going to see a whole lot of difference just simply because it's way too late uh, in, in the entire process to change your entire offense. You have what you have. This is what you've practiced. This is what you've drilled. You got to make the best out of it. They can improve. You know, I, that another understatement. They can improve quite a bit. But overall... It, it, you know, you give them peanut butter and jelly, 
they should be able to eat. It's not complicated. It's pretty simple. They're not doing complicated things, and they're not doing it. It's not just a matter of, to be fair, to two really good defensive teams. Cleveland's a good defensive team. Uh, obviously, San Francisco is. Uh, 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 that, that's a tough matchup for any offense. But to lose one-on-ones as consistently as they are, to get beaten off the ball as consistently as they are, uh, along with a quarterback that they can't throw accurately for whatever reason, these are significant problems that, that need to get fixed. Yeah, one thing that also showed up before we we transition away from the offense because you mentioned, um, and we're going the defense, and we're going to segue into that. The other thing that was concerning is uh, Ken, Kenny's not seeing it clearly. Kenny's playing slow, uh, and, and that's really showing up from what I can see. Um, and he's turning down some stuff that's open. You know, he's he's turning down he turned down uh, George Pickens on a couple of plays where I thought. You know, if you turn that loose, we'll see what happens. He doesn't feel comfortable. He's not turning it loose. Um, he's turning down some stuff. He's thinking he's not playing. But let's shift to this defense. And I want to ask you about uh, the run defense. You were talking about some problems that you see on the defensive side. And when I took a look at it, it looked like it didn't look like physical stuff. Uh, it didn't look like they were getting blown off the ball and they just couldn't hold up physically. Uh, it looked like, uh, you know, what TJ was saying in his press conference, it looked like at times guys were doing too many, too much. You, you, you got guys jumping out of their gaps, uh, trying to make plays. But the thing, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me with this defense and the struggles was starting, uh, stopping the running game, excuse me, the tackling is bad. The tackling is really bad. I mean, you... It, I know it's early and guys don't work, uh, work a lot on tackling. You know, they kind of, you know, camp is different than it used to be in the past, but the tackling is really bad and really inconsistent. What have you seen from your vantage point in your lens with this defense and particularly how they're uh, struggling with stopping the run? Guys who are missing the tackles are guys in your secondary. I think more of the question is why are their running backs constantly getting to the secondary where, 400-year-old Patrick Peterson has to make a tackle. The, the, amount of, the amount of plays that we've seen where it's obvious Levi Wallace is the force in the ground game and they're able to succeed in that, it, it, that, that's a problem with your defensive line. Guys are getting out to the second level. They're creating space underneath. I think that's kind of what Watt was talking about. I think guys are, are doing a little bit too much uh, they're exposing gaps. It's not like all the time they're getting beat off the off of their their spot. They're not there. You know that that's a that's yeah. a run fill issue, and it it seems like those things are happening more now. It's not good, and I I'm I'm saying this a lot, unfortunately. But two things that you got in weeks one and week two, we talked about this all off season. A, a great both of them are going to be good running teams with good offensive lines, and both of them are going to be nasty defensively. That's what we've seen. So the, the ground game, I think, is going to get fixed. They're going to get right with that. They have completely different linebackers than they've had. Uh, that's an issue. If we want to get into the real problem, Sasquatch, love that name. If we want to get into the real problem, it, it's their cornerbacks are exposed as the complete mediocre to below average players that they are right now. Yeah. Levi Wallace... 
it, it, Levi Wallace is the 11th man on the field right now. He is not providing any, any semblance of defense. I, I said this, and I'm not trying to be too hyperbolic about it, but I, I've watched every game that's been played so far this season. I think Levi Wallace is the worst defender in the NFL. I mean, he was he is hor- just horrible. Um, he, he, he's not competing. Uh, I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if it's just, you know, I'm sick of this. I'm collecting my paycheck. I'm waiting for Porter to come in and play. Why don't they just start doing that now? Um, it, I don't know how they can justify continuing to trot him out there. He's been that bad um, to the point where it's a fair question. Could Joey Porter Jr. be worse? I don't know, but if you're asking that question, you're in deep trouble because there should be a reason why Wallace is playing all the time and Porter isn't getting in barely at, at all, except for deep sub packages. How bad is Porter? <laughs> What's happening here? Um, that's more of the issue. The, you know, and on top of that, you lose Cam Hayward, you're losing a lot. So I, I, not to make excuses, but I could see how it might have been tough um, to, to continue to grow while you lose a, a huge part of your overall leadership and your overall effort up, up front. When Hayward isn't there, they're lesser of a team. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind. If I accepted the offensive coordinator position, oh, my. There, there'd be some changes, to put it mildly. It wouldn't be the only shocking hire that gets made after that. We're, we're going to bring in some consultants because there, there are things that we're going to need to figure out. <clears throat> Um, yeah, it, it, it's not all one person, but even more than Dan Less, I, I think Levi Wallace is, is worse. I think Levi Wallace might be one of the worst players in the entire league. And that's, that's the, the, <laughs> that's the distinction we gave to Dan Less last year. He is the worst starter in the NFL. It might be Levi Wallace right now. And that, that's, that's a real problem. And the, the more, uh, passes are the, the more time quarterbacks have to drop five and and release the ball the more success they're going to have because Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace are not able to cover anybody in man or in zone and it's obvious what they're doing because of obvious physical limitations Uh, without a pass rush without Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt having epic performances they're going to get beat quite a bit and teams are, are well aware of that now. The Steelers are, are a really poor coverage team. Um, they're, they're going to have to make hay rushing the passer and putting the quarterback on the ground. It, put it this way, if Deshaun Watson was even remotely capable, which I'm not convinced anymore that he is, I think he's Yeah, he's I, think he's I think he's I think done. he's washed. I think he's washed. Um, really, really bad situation for Cleveland moving forward. He really is not good. Pickett was better. And it, we could argue that was one of Pickett's worst games. Pickett wasn't good at all. Watson was really bad, except for Levi Wallace. They found ways to identify Levi Wallace on the field and just keep going after him. So they did. Um, I think the defense will be all right with time, with reps. Uh, I'm not surprised they're having some struggles, but they've been dominant at times as well. They're making plays, uh, as we saw. You know, they forced four fumbles. I don't. To be honest, I'm not really sure how they did that, but Cleveland is just bad. Um, they're they're a team that's going to improve defensively. You're going to get better play from uh, your your cornerbacks because really they have nowhere to go but up. Uh, linebackers are doing well, all things considered. Their defensive line um, probably underperforming a little bit for where I I had thought they were going to be. 
but you can improve on those things. Cause again, I, I think a lot of it is gap integrity. A lot of it is just run fits, uh, getting on the same page, um, and, and going over the basics of what they're doing. They'll, they'll improve on that. Yeah. I think that'll get better. I think one thing when you see just to point to uh, a couple positives from the game is that I think you have to be encouraged that JPJ PZ Jr. Made the play at the end of the game uh, when he was targeted in a big spot in a big moment and plays like that help young guys grow. It gives them confidence to compete and play and go out and use their physical skills to the best that they can. It makes them feel a little more comfortable that they're, you know, cause it's a confidence game as well. So that was a great play from him, but Bitten is playing his butt off. Uh, Bitten has to get more snaps. Um, you know, if you can replace the louder milk snaps with more Bitten snaps, uh, I think that's good. Bitten is very disruptive. Uh, Benton plays very well. Um, and, and so I'm hoping to see him get more reps, but let's transition unless you have one more thought or any last thoughts from the Monday night game that you want to say. I'm glad it's over. That was one of the worst, <laughs> just one of the most maddeningly frustrating games I've seen of the Steelers in a while. And, and they won. I mean, uh, last year against Cincinnati was, was just as bad as this. Yeah. Yeah. And they needed a Herculean effort from the defense to, to win in overtime. Uh, this game was very similar to that. You, you really got an opponent that played just a little bit worse than you did. Uh, that's the only reason they won that game. They, they shouldn't have, except Cleveland yeah. shouldn't have either. I, I don't know. Just a Yeah, it was game. definitely weird. And, and one thing I was saying in the post game is, you know, you're not going to apologize for winning. Sometimes you have to have one of those. Um, a lot of teams do, maybe not to that extent. It's not that bad, but sometimes you have to win a game where you don't play well and stack that win, and it helps you. And when you look back at the totality of the season, you go, wow, we got lucky to get that one, but it counts, and it helps us get to the playoffs. So that's one of those wins where you know you pull out your rump and somehow you get it. But let's transition to the Raiders real quick. What's your thoughts um, on the offensive side of the ball, their Steeler offense going up against uh, this Raider defense? What do you see uh, for Sunday night's matchup? To put it mildly, I think what we see is a team that, that they could actually do something against. Uh, I, I'd have a little bit more faith in their ability to move the ball against the, the Raiders than – uh, Cleveland or or San Francisco. So your opponent's getting a little bit worse, but we know the history of, of the Steelers uh, playing this franchise in their stadium. It isn't good. Hopefully it's a time for a new page. Um, no more Oakland Coliseum. <laughs> Never want to see that again. I, I saw, I've <laughs> seen all the losses. <laughs> oh, they, oh my God. They just, they forgot what they were doing on the, on the, the plane trip over there. They were some of their worst games were, were in Oakland. Um, Oakland though is a desperate team. Um, Vegas. they're going, to, they know they're going to, sorry, they know they're going to stack, need to stack some wins here. Um, uh, if they have any hope at all of saving their season and that the, the fire is going to get lit under Josh McDaniels, butt pretty quick, I'm not sure how explosive they're going to be. Uh, as of now, the time of this recording, uh, Devontae Adams is not a, a certainty to play in this game. Devontae Adams is pretty easily one of the five best receivers in the game. He is a big play player. He's pretty much all they have as far as big plays go. Um, 
the scheme that Josh McDaniels has drawn up is not something that, that's really come to fruition in Vegas the way that he had it in uh, New England. But <clears throat> Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback that um, can do the basic things very well. Um, his floor is more impressive than his ceiling in the sense that he's, he doesn't have terrible games, but he doesn't have great games either. He's not uh, the type of quarterback that's going to put the team on his back and beat you himself. They're going to have to win things uh, competitively. In, in many ways, they're a lot like the Steelers. So I, I think this is going to be a competitive matchup. Um, at this point, I, I, I don't have any particular reason to think the Steelers' offense uh, can can throw punches with anybody. So in a lot of ways, this is a defensive game for the Steelers because offensively, nothing we can see right now, um, especially after this past game, nothing we can see right now should suggest to us that the Steelers' offense is just going to get right uh, this week. I think they're still going to struggle. Um, not a big scoring output game. Um We'll, we'll see how it turns out, but I, I don't like their chances uh, to score a whole lot of points, but I would probably pick them to win. Uh, tough game, tough competitive game, but I, I, I don't think Las Vegas is very good either. Let's wait till we get to the predictions. Let me jump into uh, on the defensive side. Um, clearly, I think the rhyme is very easy this week. If you want to have a nice day, you've got to stop Devontae. And Devontae might be stopped already. Because uh, he's in concussion protocol, I believe. I don't know if he's been cleared uh, from concussion protocol. But it's very interesting. The Steelers, in the three games that Deontay, uh, excuse me, Devontae Adams has played against the Steelers, he has 13 catches on 28 targets, 161 yards, averaging 12.4 yards per catch. That's pretty solid against the receiver that well. Last year, the Steelers did pretty well against them. Um, I, I thought they had a nice a nice combination of some double coverages, um, some bracket stuff, as well as selectively picking the times where they tried to uh, defend him one-on-one. He only had two receptions on nine targets for 15 yards uh, in the game last year. So they've done a pretty good job on Devontae. The other thing I think that shows up in this game is you're talking about a Raiders unit that PFF currently has graded the number one pass-blocking offensive line. And so I think to Neil's point, right now I think for the Steelers to win games, it's critical that their defense dominate, create turnovers, and create field position. Um, another thing in this game is, is that, and, and big up to Robert Cotting for reporting that Brendan Fioco is to the 53-man roster, is uh, – you know, Jacobs, they're going to have to stop Jacobs in the running game as well because I think what Neil said about Jimmy Garofalo is true. Um, he's a trailer. Um, you know, he's not a tractor. Uh, he, he's going to execute the play. Um, if it breaks down, he's not. I mean, he's not. There's no secondary. There's no second reaction stuff with Jimmy Garofalo. So if you can defend the initial concept, you're going to do well against Jimmy G. Um, also, the last thing about Devontae is he does move around the formation uh, in the game last year, lined up in the slot 12 times, out wide 22 times. So he's going to move around. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting because these two teams played fairly recently. I think it was maybe the, what, week 16 it was last year? And yeah. so 
it's going to be interesting. Yeah, week 16, the 17. Second always, it was the, the Christmas night game. Yeah, it was the Christmas night game where, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett had to come back um, and, and they won the game. But let's jump into predictions. And again, thank you for listening to the new standard as always. Like and subscribe to the program if you're listening right now live. Thank you. And please hit us with some predictions. What's your predictions for this ball game, Big Neil? Um, I, I think that offensive line that you mentioned is enough to, to – uh, um, it's enough to give Vegas a, a, a winning edge. Um, it's enough for them to set up a, a, a few big plays, which is something you'll notice Cleveland really didn't do offensively the entire game. Uh, had they done that, I think they would have won. Um, I, I think Pittsburgh's defense right now, short of the pass rush, is a big play waiting to happen. I, I think they'll do enough um, situationally uh, to be able to control the game on that side of the ball. Pittsburgh needed way too many splash plays on defense uh, in, in order to, to take the lead back in the fourth quarter. Had that not happened, they would have gotten blown out. I don't think their offensive problems could fix in a week. I, I think Vegas is going to win this one. I think it, probably something like, call it 24. I don't want to give them two touchdowns. That never happens anymore. Um, 24-16, Las Vegas, I'm going to go with. I, I, I kind of agree with you, Neil. Um, I, I just don't have confidence that this offense is going to get fixed. Uh, there's nothing that it does well. Uh, and, and so I think it's hard – and with coordination, in my opinion, being the biggest problem, I'm not sure that Matt Canada can find or fix what the issue is. I feel like he'll try to fix everything at once, which means nothing gets fixed. And so I just don't have confidence in him. I don't have confidence in this offense or this offensive line. So I'm picking the Raiders to win the game 23-17. And, uh, before we get out of here, oh, I'm glad you addressed uh, Raymond Santiago's question. If Devontae Adams were to play, what would happen if Levi Wallace were to cover him all game? Could he have a record-breaking performance like I, three T's? We, we have to define what all game is. You assume that <laughs> Levi Wallace is going to last four quarters. I mean, you look at him on the, 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 the big run where the backup running back reversed field and Wallace was in pursuit and then clearly just like, you know, he – stepped on the brakes halfway through he's it doesn't look like he's in shape i mean it just he can't keep up with it, with the, the players who are on the field now i don't think he lasts a half against Devonte adams if that's the case adams is a, a machine he's a superior athlete in every way um they need i mean to, to be fair one guy isn't covering Devonte adams yeah. okay that that's a whole scheme you, you try to take uh, as you try to limit Devontae Adams as much as you can. It's hard to do. The Steelers, like you pointed out, Lance, have been successful doing that. I'd put more of that on, on their overall offense, which has been pretty weak uh, since McDaniels took over there. Um, I was surprised by that, by the way. Uh, Josh McDaniels is an excellent offensive coach. I, they should be more successful than they have been to this point. I, Garoppolo is not the quarterback who scores you points. He's, he's, he's a poor man's Alex Smith in this generation. He does – he does basic things well. He doesn't do big play stuff well. To yeah. that point, he's aware that he doesn't, so he never tries. And that's a big part of why you see Devontae Adams' numbers suffer so so badly. Um, Garoppolo is not going to, to really 
feed him deep down the field. They can make plays after the catch, but he he's looking to possess the ball, uh, you know, try to run as much as they can, kill the clock, um, not make this a big scoring game. In fact, I'm going to change it now because I'm not even convincing myself the Raiders can score much. 20 to 16, Las Vegas. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, okay, 2016. Uh, but with that, listeners, we're going to get out of here and uh, big up the Steelers freak. Where's Wallace? Where's Wallace at? Where's Wallace? That was a great scene in The Wire. If you are a Wire fan, you remember that scene uh, when Wallace gets killed in, in season one. Michael B. Jordan played Wallace, and that was a great, that's a great call, Steelers freak. The Wire is my favorite show of all time. The show, sadly, that? I have not watched. Oh, man, you got to watch The Wire. You got to watch The Wire. I've, I've tried, it just seems so old now. It's kind of like, I don't know. I, I watched Game of Thrones recently, and I hadn't watched that. And I, and I liked it. So maybe I'll, I'll dip into The Wire here. Yeah, The Wire is awesome. I, I try not to re-watch Wire episodes because I fall back into watching the entire season again. And so it's just, it's just, and I know everything. That's a good thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know all the lines. I know everything. And I end up watching it like I've never watched it before, but that's it for the wire talk, but we're going to get out of here. And as always, we appreciate everybody that hopped on the program. Please like, and subscribe. Big up to Marcus J uh, episodes. I mean, season seven of Thrones was bad. It, it was, it was trending to be the best, but with that, we're going to conclude the show, and let's hope that the Steelers' offense, ah, yeah, <laughs> is not offensive. But with that, we're going to get out of here. Highly and offensive. as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers. Generation Z level offensive. <laughs> <laughs>